Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Yes, demons and angels exist. Yes, there is an unseen world that surrounds us. Whether you believe it or not, the Bible says they do. The Bible says that there is a spiritual realm that surrounds us. Time magazine said 69%, this is research, believe that angels exist. Do you believe angels exist? 55% believe that angels are higher spiritual beings created by God with special powers to act as his agents on earth. 49% of those who participated said they believe in the existence of fallen angels or devils. Do you believe demons exist? About 33% of respondents said that they have felt an angelic presence in their lives. They have felt an angel close to them. The major world religions all believe angels exist. I would go as far as to say this morning, you cannot believe in the Bible if you do not believe that angels and demons do exist. The Bible teaches us that there is an unseen world. We can't see it with our physical eyes. I'll give you a few scriptures. Look at this one. Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Now that gives you a little bit of a chill down your spine, doesn't it? To imagine that there's a world around us right now that we cannot see. Hebrews 11:26 By faith he left Egypt not fearing the king's anger he persevered why because he saw him who is invisible that's the god that we worship Look at this one Colossians 1:15 1, to 16 the son is the image of the invisible god the firstborn over all creation for in him all things were created things in heaven and on earth visible and invisible, whether th thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. What about Luke 23, 39? This is Jesus talking. Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. Jesus believed in spirits. He's the son of God. And he distinguishes between his physical body and a spiritual being. What about 2 Corinthians 4.18? So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Ladies and gentlemen, there is a God. There is one God that you cannot see, but he is there. 
You believe in him, that's why you are here today. There are spirits and there are angels and they are everywhere and they've been created by God. A God that you cannot see and neither can you see them. Colossians teaches us that there's an invisible realm of powers and rulers and authorities that you cannot see. There's a government, a spiritual government we can't see. We keep on looking into Biden. We keep on looking into our lawmakers. We think that's it. There's something deeper, more powerful, higher than them. It exists. It exists beyond our perception. And it exists for a reason. The beings that operate in the spiritual realm have been created by God for a reason. So you might ask this morning, why talk about this? A few things. These unseen beings, they focus on us. And they influence us. If we could ask God today, think about this. If we could ask God today the same prayer that Elisha asked God. And we could say, Lord, open our eyes so we can see the spiritual realm. What would it look like? What do you think your life look like, looks like? Were you escorted here this morning by angelic beings? When we pray and we say, Lord, I want you to help me in my life. Guide me. Keep me safely on the road. How do you think he does that? Does he send angelic beings to guide you? I would say most probably. We'll get into that in this series of lessons. But here's a big question. Do you think any of us potentially dragged some demons here today? How do you know that there's no demonic influence in your life? That there's evil spiritual beings that feel welcome at your house. And they influence you. And you're affected by them. You don't see them because you don't think about it. And you don't realize how it works. Because you haven't even read the verses necessarily that talk about these things. If God opened your eyes to see all the spiritual beings around you for the next week. What would you see? I've had people come to me as a preacher and they say to me, listen, can you please come to my house? I think I've got some demons there. I don't know if it ever happened to you. Have you ever felt like you go into a room and there's this presence, right? And so they, they phone the preacher guy. Hey, come to my house and come pray and, and remove. Come, come practice some exorcism. Yeah, get these demons out of the house. Now, obviously, that's something I have no clue about and I don't like doing it. But the more I studied, the more I came to realize Who brought the demons into your house? Demons don't attach themselves to places. They attach themselves to what? To people. They're not interested in that room in your house. They're interested in you. And there's only one person who brought the demon into your house in the first place. It's you. And there's only one person with the power to remove that. It's you. So you've got to start with yourself. And ask the question, are you going to bring Christ into your house? Or are you going to bring these beings into your house? And you might be wondering, okay, well, how does that work? Stick around for the sermon series. We're going to talk about that. Do you go to places where God's angels would not be welcome? But Satan's would. 
Are you planning to do something that angels of God would not watch? Whatever you do, take note of this, you will be seen. Whatever you do, you will be seen by some angelic being. Which angels will be smiling though? The ones from the darkness or the ones from the light? If you are in sin, pause this morning. Think carefully. If you are close to sin or you are in sin, ask yourself carefully. What does the unseen look like around you and near you? So I think this is important because these unseen beings, they focus on us and they influence us. Secondly, sin starts with the encounter of an angel. That might be news. Sin starts with the encounter of an angel. A bad one. A demon. And you might say, well, okay, but how does that work? Hang on. We're going to get there. Thirdly, answered prayer is mediated through angels. That's definitely my belief. Angels are involved with our lives everywhere we turn. Whether we sin or pray, some form of angelic presence is there. Uh, I don't think I need to explain that much further, but I, I feel, I think this is, a, this is a good subject. This is from me. It is the spiritual unseen realm of evil that has destroyed the lives of loved ones stuck in addiction. Lives of pain and total mental incapacitation. Since I have been here in the States, and let, me, let me be honest with you, I come from a, obviously a different country. There's some serious spiritual problems in this place. I think it's everywhere, but I have never seen lost people like I've seen in this place. I've never seen strongholds like I've seen in this place. And I've spoken to you about it before. Where I sit and talk to somebody, the person is so lost and dark in his understanding. I can't even begin to talk to him about Christ. He doesn't even understand when I talk to him. And it's not the accent. He doesn't understand spiritual things. He is spiritually dead. He is spiritually destroyed. He's either lost in addiction or he's been molested since he was a kid. And, or she has been involved with sexual behavior her whole life that she cannot even think straight anymore. It's all the work of demons. There's lots of spiritual darkness in this town. There's lots of spiritual darkness in this country. Maybe the more intelligent ones operate in the governmental spheres, but they are here. You are sitting here this morning and you've got family members, perhaps, that are lost in addiction. They are there because of the works of demons. We might have children that could potentially go down the same road if we don't understand these things. And our kids will end up in the same direction i look at old benny silas that little boy sitting on your lap he's innocent and clean and he's protected by the god of heaven i believe but there's going to come a time where he's going to understand right and wrong and the demons will come for him the spiritual forces of darkness will come for that little boy and you guys have to be prepared for that and you've got to guide him now when we talk about angels and demons and by the way i've never heard sermons on this and this is probably the first time I'm preaching it as well. Because our brotherhood doesn't really do this. But the Bible says 
these things exist. So please excuse me. Just, just I, I want to clarify where we're going with this because some people might be getting a little bit uncomfortable. Oh my goodness, here this guy goes. Soon we're going to pray for the demons to leave the, 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 the church building. That's not where we're going. There's two pitfalls we've got to be aware of when we talk about this. First of all, there's rationalism. I have not seen an angel, therefore they don't exist, even if the Bible says so. When you talk about angels, no, 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 it's, it's nonsense. I've never seen it. I don't want to believe in it. I'm rationalizing their non-existence. The passages that speak about angels don't really mean what they mean. It's just figurative language. Um, so, to be honest with you, you guys know by now, I don't care what the status quo is or what people say. If the Bible says it, that's what we preach. Simple. So that's the one problem, rationalism. And by, this, by the look of your body language, it seems to be you're pretty okay to stick with the Bible and not your own reasoning. Right? Okay. But there's, there's the opposite side. It's called sensationalism. That's the, that's the type of people that's like, there's a, there's a demon around every corner. Right? And we give names to the demons as well. I don't know if you've met those people. I had a guy once who was telling me all kinds of things and wanted to teach me a few stuff. And, and he said the funniest things, like the totally most unbiblical things, and I laughed at him. And he said to me, he, I laughed at him, sorry. He said to me, you've got the spirit of laughing. And I'm like, okay, well, well you're getting, since we, we're going to start giving names to the spirits, then I think you are going into the area of sensationalism. And you've got to be careful of that. And we're not going to go to that. There was a um, documentary made. This was absolutely, this is insane. We've stayed in different places in South Africa. And this particular town, we lived in for a few years. We lived in this town when we met this church. It's Krugersdorp, it's the name of the town. And there was something always wrong with this place. Something was just different. This was 2016. Two, 2018, we lived there. The gospel couldn't penetrate. It was just a different type of people. And we found out while we were living there, people disappearing. One person disappears, they find the person's body. And they couldn't figure out what it was, who it was. And this documentary was made about what happened there. There were multiple murders committed the people would go, they would look in the newspaper and they'd look for estate agents. Is that what we call it here as well? People who sell homes, estate agents or realty or whatever. And they would, they would take a pen and they would close their eyes and they would land on somebody. They would phone that person, make as if they want to sell their house, and then they would kill that person. And this were people that we knew. And when we were living in this town. We were walking up and down this town. Meanwhile, there's some predator killing people. And when we saw the, the, the documentary made of this, it, it blew my mind. Because there was a lady who came into town who was holding classes in a church. And the name of the class was this, Know Your Enemy. Guess what they were discussing? This stuff I'm talking about today. Know your enemy. Know the devil. Now the devil operates. By the way, it's not what I believe. I don't believe that we need to study Satan. We study God that eliminates Satan. We study the truth that eliminates the darkness, right? So I want to make that clear. But they had this study called um, Know Your Enemy. And she heard about a witch, some high-ranking witch that has come to conversion 
into Christ. She invited the witch to come and the ex-witch to come and help them do this, this class. So she was like a celebrity, this witch. Oh, let me tell you about how the devil works, how witchcraft works, how Satanism works. And she would represent this in that town, in this class. It came out that that lady, together with the one who does the teaching, and the people who came to that group, eventually committed all those murders. The murders that took place in this place, Devil's Dorp, by the way, Devil is Devil, it's Afrikaans, Dorp is town. It's Satan's town. They say that when you look from the top, it's, it's, it's shaped in the, in the form of a pentagon. There were five roads going into this town. And they believe there's extreme Satanism there. Now, we were living in this town when these things took place. There was an 18-year-old girl who just did her grade 12. She got seven A's. She was involved with this and had killed some people. Like a normal girl you would, you would talk to. Absolutely incredible. And what I realized through this is that the teacher against demonic forces in the name of Christ is the ringleader in fulfilling the demonic murderous plans. So be very, very careful when you meet people who's all about the demon world. Be very careful of those people. And we've got to be careful too. So I'm, I'm making us aware of the two traps we could go in. Now, Joe Bean, Beans said the following. He said, The unprovable, often unbiblical, wild, and misleading speculations on this subject don't help Christians win the spiritual war. They aid and abet Satan. Those believing the wildly sensational get so busy looking for a demon under every bush that they unwittingly expose themselves to the real attacks of satanic forces which come unseen from seemingly innocent sources and hit them on the blind side. On the other hand, those who reject the sensationalism often reject the reality of the spiritual war that sensationalism masks. Rejecting the foolish, they also reject the wise. The devil becomes a cartoon character, not to be feared, but to be ignored, having no more power or substance than the goblins of children's dreams. The point I'm trying to get across is just this. We're going to avoid both sides. Angels exist. The Bible says so. We're not going to rationalize them out of existence, but we're also not going to dive into the demonic world and try to figure out how every demon operates. They are far more wiser than, than we are. I had an encounter with a Girl, one of my visits coming here to Sweet Home. We're coming to Sweet Home. It's a sweet place, right? Wrong. This is this girl that wants to see me. The, the previous preacher at this church had told her that she's demon-possessed. So I'm excited. I'm in America. I'm in a different place. I'd like to meet some strange people. I want to meet this girl. And it would be interesting if she's demon-possessed. I, I don't know what a demon-possessed person looks like. It will be interesting. So we meet up with her. A lot of stuff to tell you, but she uh, didn't want to come into the house because she didn't feel clean. I thought it's wonderful that she wants to talk to me. And I said to her, so what do you, what do you want? What, why are you talking to me? And she says, I need help. I need help. She's stuck in addiction. She lives in the forest somewhere. 
Her hands are hard. You can see. She actually looks healthy. She looks strong. I wouldn't want to fight with her. I think she'd knock me out. And you can see she's jittery. And in my mind, I'm running scriptures through my mind. I'm trying to figure out, well, how does, do I need to, do demons still possess people today? What, how do I, if, if it's true, how do I deal with this girl? What do I say? How do I know if she's got a demon or not? And what do I do about it? Let's say somehow or another, I figure out she's demon possessed. How do I deal with that? So, she wants help. And a scripture came to my mind. It's in Corinthians. Paul says, nobody can say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit of God. So I thought to myself, don't you think that's a good way to test whether she's driven by the Spirit of God or the Spirit of Satan? Because a demon will never say Jesus is Lord. So I said to her, you know what, ma'am, I'm going to give you, it's so easy to change your life. It's so easy. You've come for help. You know what? You don't have to go climb a mountain. You don't need a lot of money. You don't have to go to rehab. It's very simple. You can change your life just by saying three words. And she's excited. She's like, okay, what, what's the words? Uh, what's the three words? Is it that simple? I said to her, Jesus is Lord. I've never seen anybody react to those three ways that this girl did. She said, what? Never. She refused to say it. And I found that extremely, extremely interesting. If she did say that, if she did acknowledge that truth, that Jesus is Lord, her life would have totally turned around. Now you might be saying then this morning, Machio, what, what are you saying? Are you saying then that she is demon possessed? That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that she's a person, a human being, that doesn't believe the fundamental truth that can change her life. Just those three words can change everything in her life. Let me ex extrapolate on this and give you an answer because you're still probably wondering, okay, Machio, is she demon-possessed or not? Let me help us. The battle of evil is not against demons or demonic possession. It is in ourselves. The primary tool of Satan is not possession. It is deception. What I want to ask this girl is, you see, at some point in her life, when she started her journey, when she started to understand right and wrong, you know what she did? She believed a lie. That's what she did. That's where it all started. She believed a lie. She was deceived. That's what opened up everything to the evil realm. I want to say to her, why did you believe those demons? Why did you believe them? The truth will set you free, Scripture says. You can be free right now, I want to say to her. You can be free this moment. You need help, but the one thing that can help you, you don't want to say. You don't want to acknowledge the ultimate truth of our existence, that Jesus is Lord. You don't want to acknowledge that. You can't be saved without that. 
The spiritual forces of darkness cannot leave you without that. They will hang around. They will hang around till the end. You're welcome to come in, Angelina. No worry. Okay. So I say to accept that your life will change right now. Deception is convincing human beings that the lies they believe are the truth. That's deception. This girl had believed a series of lies a whole life through. That has led her to this point. She wasn't, it's not like a demon comes and he says, okay, this Jack, I'm going to go into him and take control of his life. No, a demon goes in and he says, I'm going to find a way to deceive you. And we're going to unpack that. So, to illustrate this, to illustrate the power of demonic deception in America, let's use an example. What do you think people will do to me or think of me if I walked up and down the streets of Portland shouting, homosexuality is a sin? Yes. What if I do that and I walk around and I say, hey, God created male and female. Or what if I go and I say, abortion is immoral. I'm using examples, common contemporary things. What would be said of me? And those are fundamental truths in God's word. How would people, and you know what's the worst? If you, if you cringe when I say that. If you're sitting in church this morning and you cringe when I say that. There's demonic influence in your life. Because it's direct opposition to the truth of God's word. Directly. This has infiltrated Christianity and it will continually do so. It's the work of demons. Look at this text. The Spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow what? Deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. How do you know if something is taught by a demon, ladies and gentlemen? There's only one way. If it contradicts what the word of God says, it's taught by a demon. There it is. Demons are teachers. They're not interested in possessing you. They're interested in transforming your mind. Such teachings come through what? Hypocritical liars. It comes through people. The teachings of demons come through people. It comes through our university professors. Sometimes it comes through our preachers. It comes through our politicians. Demons influence people to perpetuate the lies so that more can believe it and so that more can have darkened understanding. We'll get into that. And their consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They don't even think about the consequences of what they are doing. Spiritual warfare is all about the heart and the mind. God gives light and truth. Satan tries his best to cloud light. And truth with darkness and lies. There is only one reason for the demise of American morality. Only one reason. And also only one solution for the recovery of it. It's the proclamation of God's truth. That's the only way. Truth expels darkness. The word is truth. Christ is truth. You take the only light available. The word of God. You take it out of schools. You take it out of government. The government and its policies, you take it out of the hearts of the politicians, you remove it from the public sphere, you take the word of God out. What's going to happen? 
Darkness will reign. And so it is in our personal lives. Spiritual destruction in your personal lives because the word of God has no place in your life. This is serious. I come up here and I challenge us to get into the word. And we put our brakes on. Why do we put our brakes on to get into the word? The only thing that has light in this dark world. I don't understand it. It's not angelic beings that tell you, you can't study the Bible. You can't read the Bible for yourself. It's not angelic beings that tells you, sit in church and just listen to what the preacher says. Don't study it for yourself. That does not come from angelic beings. That comes from the demonic realm that wants to keep you out of the word. If something keeps you out of the word personally, it's not from God. Because that's the very thing that can save you. That's the truth. That expels darkness. The only tool Jesus used against Satan was what? The word of God. There's only one thing that can protect you from demons. From believing the lie. His word. His truth. Not yours. It's the only weapon that can protect you against the realm of darkness. Yet... We resist to get into the Bible ourselves. We have to study the word personally because Satan attacks us personally. Another verse. They perish. Why? Because they refuse to love the truth and be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie. And so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth, but have delighted in wickedness. 2 Thessalonians 2, 10 to 12. They desperately wanted to believe the lies, glittering with false promises. If you really want to believe the lies, Satan tells you, God will not stop you. He will even speed you on your way. The very essence of spiritual warfare is lies versus truth. Satan and his angels go all out to get you to love their lives, lies more than you love the truth of God. And since they can't make you do that or make you do anything else for that matter, they try to find some way to delude you. Ephesians 4, this is Satan's strategy for destruction. Look at this text, Ephesians 4, 18 to 19. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. Now, let me unpack this for us and give us a sequence. This is how Satan operates. This is how his beings operate. He presents a lie. The moment you accept the lie, your mind starts darkening. Here. This is where Satan attacks. Here. If he can give you a lie to believe and you reject a truth, he's just opened up your mind for a darkened understanding. In other words, you don't think straight anymore. That's the first part. You can't rationalize. You can't reason well anymore. That's why some of us have looked at some of these, these uh, guys in society that promote different ideas. And you look at the guy and you like think, does this guy think straight? 
No, he doesn't think straight. He's been darkened in his understanding. Why? Because he believed a lie. And God helps you along if you reject the truth. He will help you along in believing that lie. What's the second thing? Your heart starts getting hardened. So first, your mind is darkened when you believe the lie. Then your heart starts getting hard. Then the third thing is you become less sensitive. And if you go look at this person, when you reach stage three, you don't care anymore about other people. You don't cry about them. You don't cry about their needs. You're not sensitive about their needs. You cry about what? About yourself. Your needs. When you meet a person whose life is falling apart and all they can talk about is themselves, you can know that they are in level three. They believed a lie. Their minds were, were darkened. Their hearts were hardened. And now it's all about them and they cry about their own lives. This is classic, classically what you see in addicts. You go sit with a drug addict. He's always crying about his own life. He doesn't have time to cry about other people suffering and struggling. He cries about his own life. Fourthly, immersion in sensuality. You lose sensitivity and then what do you do? You give yourself over. You give yourself over to what? To the flesh. For some people it's drugs. You just let go. All in. You immerse your life into it. And what's the last point? Spiritual destruction. Then it's over. How did this whole process start? Believing a lie. That's, that's where the demons operate. The demons, they don't come into you and force you to become a spiritual destructed person. No. Present to you a lie. Because you don't know the truth. You believe the lie. You don't want to accept the truth. Before you know it, your heart is hard. Your mind is darkened. You've lost sensitivity. You give yourself over to sensuality and your life is destroyed. One guy spoke about a photo of this, about a guy who was found dead. And he wrote about this. He saw the photo of this person that's been found dead, an addict, drug addict. He said the following, to satisfy his need, he had collapsed every vein in his arms, then his legs. And finally, through the course of depleting all other available spots, he had found the last spot. He lay in a doorway, dead, the hypodermic needle still in his tongue. It was an unpleasant yet graphic picture showing the end of a very addictive sin. That's where spiritual destruction takes you. All because you believed a lie. That's where it all started. Take note, all sin is addictive. The same self-destructive behavior exists in all who allow Satan to deceive them to the point of having petrified hearts, no matter which route of temptation and sin they take. Now, we as Christians might feel safe, and we are, as long as we are in Christ and we walk that line. The three safest words in your life is this, Jesus is Lord, please say it with me. Jesus is Lord. That's your Savior. Satan's buddies are watching us day and night. They want to destroy our relationship with God and His Son. 
And if they cannot destroy our relationship with him, they want to destroy our productivity. They want to make us weak Christians. He can't get us to self-destruct. But he can get us to believe that we are secure when we are not. Go to church. As long as you don't live for him or have a relationship with him. But go to church. Just don't go deeper. Don't get into the Bible yourself. Because the more you get into the word yourself, the more difficult it is for me to deceive you. This is the reason why we have so many churches and so many people in those churches acting like godless people. And if we don't stand up against these behaviors, we keep the demons here. If he cannot lure us into forfeiting our souls, he devises intricate schemes to cripple us spiritually, making us useless in God's army. From the master templates in Ephesians chapter 4, you see that evil forces will try to confuse your understanding. And if they cause you to question truth, they have a much greater chance of corrupting your reasoning and hardening your heart. They then move you towards self-absorption so that you view everything from the context of your own desires rather than what is right before God. Eventually they corrupt you so you no longer care for anything but your own self-indulgence. Getting back to this lady that I met. I don't know if she's demon possessed or not. And I don't care really. That doesn't solve the issue. She's been influenced by demons. And she has been listening to demons. And the solution is very simple. When she accepts the truth, her life can change. As simple as that. Either way, all the evil and suffering in the world started with angelic beings. Evil angelic beings who taught lies and who was believed by people. Satan has been a murderer and is still a murderer. And he has been from the beginning. He cannot kill you. And so he opts for the only two alternatives. Either to get you to kill yourself. To end up with a needle in your tongue somewhere dead. Or he gets you to the point where you're so darkened in your understanding. And your heart is so hard. And you're so dipped into self-indulgence. And your flesh. That you've got no time for God. That God has to destroy you. Satan knows the wages of sin is death. Secondly, it's easy to avoid the gate leading to the pathway of spiritual destruction. You've got to love the truth. The world, your friends, your inner person does not carry objective truth. Only the word of God does. Jesus defended himself against Satan with scripture. You know, one day I had an encounter with a Christian. I've had these encounters many times. I had an encounter with a brother. He was battling some demons, but he didn't think that because he's a Christian. He's been around for 50 years. Do you know that demons can hang around you, I believe, for 50 years? Because it's never addressed. You can go to church, be like a Christian, but for 50 years, there's spiritual forces in your life that you keep listening to. And the only way to expel that is with the Word of God. And I had this conversation with him. He's got anger. He's got bitterness. And I keep on pointing him to the Word of God. But gentleness and patience and kindness, this is what the Word of God says. And he, he keeps on avoiding it. He doesn't want to deal with it. It's like, it's like a magnet, the opposite ends of a magnet. He just avoids the text the whole time. But I'm a Christian. I said to him, I said to him well, brother, if you, if you can't take what the text says and make it your own, acknowledge it, 
as the truth. Nothing can help you. Nothing. This is the only defense against the demons in your life. The only defense. I said, I'm sorry, there's no medicine for you. He rejected me and he left. I think sometimes we have some spiritual darkness lingering around in our lives because nobody loves us enough to point it out. To say, this is what the text says. Get it out of your life. And these demons linger around in the church. Because we're not straight with the word of God. Satan enters your life the moment you believe something that is a lie. I want to reiterate that. Satan enters your life the moment you believe something that is a lie. Don't worry about being possessed by a demon. Worry about what you believe. And test what you believe with the word of God. The first sentence that Satan ever said was what? Did God really say? Still the same thing today. This is a difficult question. Is there hope for the person in stage five? There is always hope. You might have an addict in your life. You might have a person that's on the edge of total spiritual destruction. I don't have the solution. But there's a God who's all powerful. And you've got to pray. Pray for that person. And sow the truth in their lives. Continue sowing truth. Some point or another that person might just believe it. And that can change their lives totally. Pray for them. Sow seed. The truth will set them free. But if they don't love truth, I am sorry. Not even God can help them. God will not force you into a relationship with Him. And I'm sad and I'm sorry to say this. And I pray that we don't have to go through that with our children. I pray I don't have to go through that with my boys. That my boys will reject truth one day. I'm sorry about that. But that's the conditions of earth. And that's how God set it up. He gave us free will. And unfortunately, the people we love have free will too. If they refuse to accept the truth. There's not much we can do. Except pray and keep on sowing the truth. My brother, um, Dave, you're going to pray at the end. Can I ask you just to pray, especially for those who... Who are, who are a part of this church, who are struggling with children in spiritual destruction. Let's stand and we sing the closing song for this morning.